Hear the word of our Lord from Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol strangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering. His canopy around him, thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. And the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God, the God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless? He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. 
You have given me the shield of your salvation, and your right hand supported me, and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me, and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and overtook them, and did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet, for you equipped me with the strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, and those who hated me I destroyed. They cried for help, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them as fine as dust before the wind. I cast them out like the mire of the streets. You delivered me from strife with the people. You made me the head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners came cringing to me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives. And blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me, who delivered me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You rescued me from the man of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king, and shows steadfast love to his anointed. To David and his offspring forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. So this week I have been uh, assaulted, you might say, with more or less the same question. That I hope this psalm more or less answers for everybody. But the question is always, is Christianity a pacifist religion? Are we doormats? Are we limp-wristed weaklings who refuse to fight back? It, now, for people usually listening to this, you're in circles where everybody more or less knows well and good that that's a bunch of hogwash. For crying out loud, you can't spend five minutes in the Old Testament without seeing the wars of the Lord. You can't spend five minutes reading the Old Testament without realizing, wait a second, God is a fighter. God fights. God is a warrior. David here praises God pulling an arrow. He draws a bow. God sends fire from the heavens. God, like when you look at the Exodus, those ten plagues are not just, you Egyptians are bad, therefore I'm punishing you. Each one of them is specifically God showing to the Egyptians that he can fight against their gods and win. Why? Because they're not actually gods. And he is the real Lord of all creation. For instance, the sun god, Ra. Oh, God makes it dark. He's the real Lord of the sun. Or death of the firstborn. What is that but God saying to all these Egyptians? Yeah, you know Anubis? I can kick his butt. You think Anubis is your little Lord of the dead here? Um, no, 
I, as the one true God, am the real Lord of life and death. And I can kill all of your kids if I want to. But just to let you off easy, I'm just going to kill your firstborn. To make a point. Every single one of these. There is even a frog god. <laughs> Based on, you know, the Egyptians love their Nile. They love their Nile river and everything. And there's a lot of frogs around there. And here's God saying, hmm... You have a frog god? That's pretty silly. But by the way, frog plague. Frogs everywhere. There you go. <laughs> I'm just going to put frogs everywhere. God is a fighter. He is absolutely a fighter. He is a warrior. Our Heavenly Father loves a good fight. And that's how he's described all over the place in the Old Testament. So certain people... And, and it's usually one of two types of people. Certain people will counter-signal this and say, well, for Christians, people living in the Christian era who believe in Jesus Christ, well, you're supposed to be a pacifist doormat. Let's answer that question. Because we can look at the New Testament, and first off, before I even look at the New Testament, who is Jesus? Jesus is God. Is he the same God as the Old Testament? Yes. Yes, he is. God has always been three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Meaning, when we hear of God in the Old Testament, it is that very same God that we worship when we are reading the New Testament. But... I can understand where these critics are coming from. After all, what does Jesus say here in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 38? You have heard it said, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Hmm. Now, that sounds, to some of these ears, some of these critics here who want to say Christianity is this namby-pamby pacifist religion, in the past 2,000 years of Christians who were willing to fight, they all just got it wrong because... Apparently we all got lobotomies at some point and forgot how to read and we didn't read the parts that say don't fight, right? <laughs> uh, apparently, because they read this and they hear don't resist the evil person must automatically mean never resist anything bad happening to you. Well, okay. Let's read here from the uh, Lutheran Study Bible's commentary. Uh, from verse 39 here in Matthew chapter 5, do not resist. The commentary says, Jesus prescribed a totally different attitude for his disciples, one he practiced. He illustrated this non-resistance with four examples. He is not teaching pacifism or that governing authorities cannot exert force, but is describing the response of someone facing persecution, slaps or turn, more of an insult than an attempt to do physical harm. See, none of these examples from Matthew chapter 5 have anything to do with somebody who decides that they are going to take their fist and bash your face until your jaw is broken. 
Jesus is not talking about that situation. A slap is an insult. It's a challenge. And Roman soldiers could force you to go a whole mile. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, take your stuff from you, all, the, all these pictures of persecution, they all fit into what he says in the very opening of uh, Matthew chapter 5. And, you know, the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In fact, what does this Lord Jesus say later on in Luke chapter 22? Starting in verse 35, Luke 22, 35. And he said to them, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said, nothing. He said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag Take it, and likewise a knapsack, and let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one, for I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, Look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, It is enough. So, assuming that this is the same Jesus... Previously in the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about persecution. He's talking about insults. He's talking about legal hostility, which should not be met with violence. We are not the same kind of religion as Islam. We do not spread our faith with the sword. We do not uh, answer insults and dishonor with the sword. So we are not Okinawans here or people in ancient Japan where honor is so important that if you're dishonored you challenge somebody to a duel. But when it comes to a sword, when it comes to the ability to fight back if somebody is attempting to kill you or fight back if somebody is attempting, you know, they're trying to beat you up and you beat them up instead, that's perfectly fine. Because Jesus Christ is the same God that the psalmist David says is a warrior with a bow and arrows who absolutely destroys his enemies. Are we making sense here? And now somebody might try to say, oh, well, um, <laughs> that's different gospels. Thank you very much. And I can't trust that Jesus really did that. Maybe they're one of those weirdos that only accepts like one or two books of the Bibles at, of, you know, as inspired. Okay, fine. You want to go to Matthew, the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew as your source for pacifism. What does Jesus do in Matthew chapter 21, uh, starting in verse 12? And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And by the way, in the book of John, it says that our Lord Jesus also made a whip out of cords and started beating people up. So our Lord Jesus not only extends the use of violence to uh, self-defense, 
right? Like, hey, you're going to need a sword because people might try to kill you. He's also extending it to when you see a grave moral abuse right in front of you. <laughs> because that's what he does. He goes out and on a, an absolute feeling of righteous judgment, righteous indignation decides, I am going to throw these tables over and I'm going to make a whip and I'm going to beat these Jews up. Okay, so we have a different picture of Jesus than these critics out there. These ones out there who want to say that Christianity is this uh, feminine religion that wouldn't hurt a fly, and that's how it's supposed to be. Now, I mentioned there's two types of people that want to say that. The first types are the people who legitimately believe that and wish that that was the case. Uh, Quakers, for instance were known to be pacifists. And it got so bad with the Quakers that at some point when, um, you know, Indians were raiding Quaker villages and taking their women and killing their kids and everything, Quakers in England were writing letters to them going, why aren't you fighting back? Why aren't you doing something about this? And their reply was being, well, Matthew chapter 5. We don't want to resist an evil person. <laughs> And there are people all over the place in liberal Christianity that want to make it a thing of, like, let's be pacifists because uh, it feels bad to do violence or something. Those are the honest ones. And oftentimes you can tell that they don't always mean it because when it comes time to say that, well, maybe a certain vaccine should be mandatory, they believe in pinning people down and shoving it in their arm to force them to be vaccine vaccinated. Or they'll say, um, yep, Christians have to be pacifists. This is how we should all be. But, oh, you know, that one war, I'm so glad that uh, the nation state of Israel defended themselves. Um... Now, this isn't an example of a Christian doing it, but I remember when Regina Spector, uh, the singer, she had this song about, like, America and mocking our militarism in the country and our love of general violence. Uh, she was mocking that and saying, basically, you know, look at how bad this is. Everybody should be more pacifistic. But then in uh, 2006, when the war in Lebanon was happening, and uh, when... Israel also later on was steamrolling Palestinians, Regina Spector, um, maybe just coincidental that she's a Russian Jewess, went on about how, well, absolutely, this country should be allowed to defend itself, period. This is, this is what they should do. This is the nation of Israel, and look at how bad it would be if they didn't fight back. Mm -hmm. So not everybody's going to be consistent with that, but there are people that legitimately believe Christianity should be a pacifistic religion and maybe they legitimately believe that we are supposed to follow the teachings of Christ in an interpretive way that means you're a pacifist. The problem with that again though is you have to ignore a whole lot of the Bible. You just have to. You have to ignore the Old Testament that features a warrior God. You have, Or you have to like mangle the text to interpret everything uh, in the Psalms as some sort of allegory or metaphor. Uh, God defended us by giving us strength to persevere while running away from our persecutors. Something like that. 
And David said God trained his hands for war, but, you know, that's a war of words. <laughs> they might say some sort of reinterpreted idea of that, if they believe in the Old Testament at all. Because after all, guys like Schleiermacher more or less just threw the Old Testament in the trash. The, the German quote-unquote Lutheran theologian who tried to redefine all of religion. But that's the first type of people. Maybe they believe earnestly that this should be a religion full of people that never fight back and never fight for any reason for anything, period. They're a firm minority. But there is another type. And this is a little bit more insidious because I hate seeing this. And in our circles, we see it probably all the time. I'd like to call it Grr, why do you still believe in Jesus-ism? <laughs> From that uh, classic video there. There are people who, in bad faith, will tell Christians what Christianity means in order to get them to stop being Christians. Now, they, they should know better than to tell Christians what they believe or not. But their goal isn't to really convince you that, that maybe you need to address the problem of violence. Their goal is to convince you that your religion is actually so repugnant that maybe you'll abandon it and believe in what they want you to believe instead. It's bad faith argumentation that we see from those the modern followers of Nietzsche who are like, yeah, Christianity is just pathetic. Jesus said, like, I have this whole list of out-of-context Bible verses that tell you to not do anything. Or, like, love your neighbor, man, right? Why don't you just, oh, it says love your enemies, so that means, like, you should be just totally fine with being replaced. And, like, if you're going to be a real Christian, you should just, like, why don't you just give them your wife and let them sleep with her, huh? Because that's what loving your neighbor is, you, you stupid cuck. And they know that that's not what Christianity means. It could take them all of two seconds to think about it. And to go, wait, 2,000 years of not only the apostles' writing and the people that knew the apostles' writing, but also 2,000 years of monks and theologians overthinking these things for a living has never really produced a giant pacifist movement outside of Quakerism, and Quakerism has a lot of heretical elements to it because it denies a lot of historical Christian practices. So that doesn't count. So you have 2,000 years of Christians being willing to fight and having a correct understanding of the scripture that God is a warrior. They, they know this. They're not stupid. But they want you to think that, you know, that yeah, yeah, maybe if you're dumb enough, you'll do what they want. It's the same as that old counter-signal meme with Pajama Boy sitting there, the MS Paint, and he says, you know, you should accept immigrants because Jesus is all about love. And he said, love your neighbor and stuff. Oh, me? I have nothing but contempt for your backwards religion, so this wouldn't work on me, but maybe if I say it, you'll do what I want. It's all bad faith argumentation. It's, it's not about them actually thinking this is what you believe. Or them actually thinking you're an inconsistent Christian. This is them telling you that you should be disgusted by your own belief system. Your own faith. 
And uh, maybe you should question your beliefs so that you don't believe anymore. It's devilish. It is exactly what the devil wants these guys doing because they don't care if you're something else. Maybe it's a neo-pagan telling you, you know, you should go back to the old gods. You should, uh, you should worship Thor and tree. But they don't actually care. They just want you to stop being a Christian. That's it. That's all the devil wants them to do, and they're working for him, whether they know it or not. So the whole point of it is to just get you to quit believing in Jesus. And the thing that bugs me about this, let's turn to the book of Revelation. Because the thing that really bugs me about this is it falls into the same line as like modern Marcionism, where they say, oh man, Jesus sounds so different from the God of the Old Testament that, you know, they, golly, why don't you guys just follow Jesus? And, you know, this can't be true. Except that that's not how this works. That's not what Jesus actually does. Um, so from Revelation chapter 21, uh, starting in verse 8 here, as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Oh. So Jesus promises that he is going to take everybody that hates him, and all of these dirty sinners, as well as the devil and all his angels, and burn them with eternal conscious torment for all eternity. And you want to tell me Jesus is a doormat? Now, there is something to be said for liking peace. For wanting peace in your days. There is something absolutely to be said that we are to be a peaceable people. But what does St. Paul say in the book of Romans? He says in Romans 12, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. So, that is to say, we love peace. But we also love a good fight because our God does. So, if you do come at us, bro, we are here to fight. Now, I wish there was not this kind of bizarre confusion, this kind of hippie-esque idea that we have to all be a bunch of doormats that love peace and hate conflict and being so conflict-avoidant that the most will be is passive-aggressive to someone. I think that has more or less robbed Americans of their fighting spirit that they had for 200 years. But, not throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. You are supposed to like peace. You are supposed to be a peaceful person. But that doesn't mean you're castrating yourself. That doesn't mean you're a doormat. That does not mean that you have to go along with what people who either mangle the faith for their own ends or people who hate the faith so they're trying to caricature it to get you to abandon it. You don't have to go along with those guys. Alright? Alright. Amen and amen.